Welcome to the Adoption and Foster Care Journey, a podcast to encourage, educate, and equip you to care for children and youth through adoption, foster, and kinship care. Hosted by an adoptive mom with over 22 years of kinship and adoptive parenting experience, she's on this journey with you. Please welcome Sandra Flack. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That is Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7. Welcome to the Adoption and Foster Care Journey. I am your host, Sandra Flack. Grateful to be back with you today. You can probably still tell from my voice that I'm not 100% recovered uh, from this little bout with COVID. I'm feeling better, but I still have this sort of, you know, sinusy, nasally sounding voice. So I apologize for that. Got my green tea with honey here with me so that I can um, kind of nurture my voice as I go if that's needed. Um, But I'm excited to bring you this episode today because I have a returning guest with a a, a powerful, um, you know, heartbreaking, soul healing story um, that I know is going to minister to you, especially if you are struggling with maybe some loss, uh, grief, um, as we often do on this journey as Um, parents and caregivers who are um, raising children who've come from loss and trauma uh, and and maybe have loss and trauma ourselves as well. So it's going to be a great show. um, And so stay tuned for that. We're going to be coming up. um, Our guests will be coming up shortly, but some special uh, announcements for you right now. Natalie Vecchione of the FASD Hope Podcast and Sandra Flack of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey Podcast would like to invite you to join their Hope for the FASD Journey, a virtual support community for parents and caregivers raising individuals with an FASD, diagnosed or not. This faith-based community includes an online bi-monthly support group, a monthly VIP conversation, and a private Facebook group which includes a video devotional from Natalie and Sandra every Saturday. To register, visit justicefororphansny.org forward slash training forward slash F-A-S-D. I can tell you that Natalie and I just love our support group. Um, We just have been, you know, bonding with everybody in that group. And it's, I I believe everybody is just really getting ministered to, ministering to each other. Um, It's really a great opportunity to connect with um, fellow parents and caregivers who are on this difficult journey and who get it. Um, So I invite you, check it out. you know, if you need a, a scholarship, um, we're getting some, you know, a little bit of grant funding to help us to offset the costs of doing the, sh- do- doing the support group. So, um, you know, reach out, let us know if you want to be a part of it. We'll get you in that group. Um, you will be blessed and encouraged um, and really um, just feel supported along the way. Um, also got some online workshops coming up um, right around the corner. Thursday, May 11th at 1 p.m. Eastern, I am teaching a free Lunch and Learn intro to FASD. Um, So maybe you're already, you know, you've been listening to this show for a while, you're understanding FASD pretty well, but maybe you're thinking, you know, my, my child's babysitter, my child's special ed teacher, social worker, pediatrician, you know, adult sibling, whoever, you know, next door neighbor, Sunday school teacher, whoever should understand a little bit more about FASD. Those those lunch and learns 
um, excellent way to introduce um, those folks in your child's life who need to understand FASD a little bit more um, to FASD. So that's a great opportunity. So it's not just for parents and caregivers, but anybody interacting with our kiddos who've been prenatally exposed to alcohol, diagnosed or not. Um, so that's a free lunch and learn. I do those monthly. Um, but the next one coming up is May 11th. Um, also, and these are all online, um, Wednesday, May 24th at 7 p.m. Eastern, I am leading a three-hour deep dive into FASD. So it definitely goes a little deeper than the, the lunch and learn, which is just really that introduction. For the three-hour, I really use the neurobehavioral model um, to unpack FASD and begin talking about accommodations and things. So um, that's a great one if you yourself or again, anyone working with your child needs a little bit more. That one is there. And if you want to go all in, like totally dive in to the deep end, um, we have a an 18 hour um, deep dive into FASD. It's an 18 hour workshop where I use the facets neurobehavioral model um, in, in that whole uh, it's 18 hours of content. We break it up over um, six weeks. It's six three-hour workshop sessions online. Um, they're all on um, Thursday evenings starting June 1st at 7 p.m. Eastern. So June 1st is the very first one, so you need to register by then. Um, so you're going you're gonna to want to take full advantage of that, if, especially if you are a parent or a caregiver um, or someone working with children with an FASD, who, who you know, kiddos who've been prenatally exposed, or even have other neurobehavioral conditions, because the neurobehavioral model isn't just for FASD, actually. Um, so um, lots of folks can benefit from that training. We do offer certificates of completion for all of our workshops for whoever participates. And if you are a social worker licensed in New York State, we now offer CEUs as well. So to register for any of these workshops or to check out any of our upcoming trainings, visit our website, justicefororphansny.org. If you click events, you'll be able to see the list of, of current available workshops that you can sign up for. If you click on trainings and you'll see an FASD, like a drop-down menu, click FASD and you can see the different options that, that are available. And if you're looking for me to come speak in person to your group, um, or if you want an online training, if you want one just for you yourself or your, you and your, your spouse or whoever, um, I'm always, always available. I do, I do travel. I'm going to be doing two um, uh, adoption and foster care uh, conferences. One's a conference, one's a retreat in May. So I will be traveling. One is downstate in New York. One is North Carolina. So um, I do travel and, and, and teach and speak. So reach out to me if you're looking to have me come, um, you know, whether it be online or in person, would love to come. So uh, there is a link in the show notes to our website. So you can find it easy that way as well. So, and you know what? Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't done so yet. We don't want you to miss a single episode. And it also, when you subscribe, and especially if you're listening on Apple, if you would leave a review, that helps other foster and adoptive parents and kinship caregivers who are looking for a podcast like this to be able to find this podcast more easily. So please, please, please do that. Um, also, Let's see, where are we? Also, I thought I had another announcement, but I think I made them all already. It's that like COVID fog brain that's kind of kicking in. So anyway, let's get to today's topic because I don't think I needed to say anything else. Um, we're going to be discussing the difficult topics of grief and loss, whether you've experienced the loss of a loved one, you know, maybe loss from infertility or just loss of how you thought life would or should be. Um, each of us encounters loss and grief along this journey. And our guest today has experienced significant loss in her life. Um, returning guest, Caitlin Odom Fiedler, tragically lost both of her parents and four of her siblings in a horrific car accident when she was just eight years old. She herself was in the car was in the accident also. And uh, since then, she's been on a journey of healing 
and Hope and has just released her first book. Uh, the title is What Now? Finding Renewed Life in Christ After Loss. Caitlin knows what it's like to lose your parents, become orphaned, have your life traumatically change in the blink of an eye, and how to experience healing along the way. She and her husband live in South Carolina with their two children, and they are now foster parents. We're going to ask her about that as well. So please welcome back, Caitlin Fiedler. Hey, Caitlin, welcome back. Hey, Sandra. Thank you for having me back. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited to have you back on the show. I know when we talked the first time you were thinking about or in the process of writing your book and just to be able to have you back on the show, having, you know, you've completed that. I've read your book. Um, so proud of you for completing that process and um, just so excited to have you back for our listeners. Thank you so much. That means a lot. Yeah, I'm in a little bit of a different spot now than when we last talked. So it's great to be back and um, share what's transpired since then. Yeah. So so for our listeners who maybe didn't catch our first conversation together, let's unpack your story a little bit. I don't want to give like all of the details away because we want folks to be able to to grab a copy of your book because I highly recommend it. I knew your story because I had interviewed you, yet when I was reading your book, I still like read through tears and you know, just rooting for your healing. And, um, you know, so so it's definitely even just knowing some of your story, you really need to read the whole book and, and, and walk with you through that process. But could you start by introducing us to your your precious family that you lost your your parents and your siblings? Um, tell us about them. Yes, I would love to. Um, so I was born into a family of six kids. I was the second to youngest. And my parents were believers. Um, they really just, they were very unique in how they knew, they they lived based on what they believed. So um, they really, they really knew what they believed and why they believed it. And um, they were very grounded in that. And then all the decisions they made around um, work and family and parenting, was directly related to their beliefs. So um, they were they were just genuine, real people. Um, so I am just so thankful that I did have their example of um, the first eight years of my life. And so there were six kids. We were all homeschooled. And um, the ages six through eight for me, um, I we lived in Asheville, North Carolina, um, in the mountains, we had a garden and chickens and lots of animals and we were homeschooled. So it was in the nineties. It was kind of like little house on the prairie, but in the nineties in Asheville, <laughs> that was the picture of our family. Um, so just, just blissful childhood playing outside every day, um, with my siblings, we were all super close and, um, had, had just those amazing parents and that example of faith from an early age. Love that. And your siblings. So how old were your siblings and their names? Yeah, my brother is the oldest, Abel. He is eight years older than me. And then um, at that time, he was 16. Uh, I had twin sisters, Allie and Mary Taylor, who were a couple years younger than Abel. Um, then my sister, Lacey, who was a couple years older than me. I was eight, and then my um, brother Kirby was seven. Aww. So, and I love, I know, I know being a homeschool family, you resonate with a lot of our listeners who are on that journey of homeschooling as well. Um, so, we can Im just imagine, you know, life on, you know, in the mountains, you know, your siblings and just being outside and all of that fun. Um, so, I know you have just precious memories of that time, and you share a lot of that in your book. Um, yeah. but, but take us back to that, the, the day of the accident, what, what happened on that day? Yeah. So the summer of 2000, my family, we were hosting a, um, exchange or a student here, um, on relief through a relief program from Belarus. 
And she was about one of, um, I believe, like five or six hundred students who have had come over to um, receive medical attention, things like that. So we were connected with a church at that time who was hosting some of these girls in Asheville. And um, she had never seen the ocean before. So we were going to take her to the beach to see the ocean for the first time. Um, And she brought a friend along with her who was staying with another family on that trip. So we were um, 10 of us in the car, all eight of my family members, and then the two girls um, who were staying with us. So we were on our way to the beach. We were right outside of Columbia, South Carolina, um, when a cargo van lost control. He blew a tire and just lost control of steering. Um, no fault at all of his. He just lost control and um, crossed over the grassy median in between the two highways and hit our car head on. So it took the lives, the accident took the lives of my parents and four of my siblings and one of the Belarusian girls who was staying with us. So, um, I was asleep when it happened. I don't remember anything about the actual accident. Um, but I woke up in the hospital probably like a few days later, I was in a coma and then I woke up and, um, was told what happened in the hospital. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, I can't even imagine eight year old you waking up to that news what what was that what was that like how do you remember how you felt yeah very vaguely um but i remember waking up and one of my aunts told me the news and i believe she just said something like um caitlin i am so sorry to tell you this but your family was in a car wreck um and she named everybody your mom your dad Allie, mary taylor lacy and kirby have all gone to be with the lord and um i just thought i was dreaming Hmm. i just i remember like hearing her and then i just closed my eyes and just drifted back to sleep and so that whole time in the hospital it just kind of felt like that I, i would like wake up for a little bit see some people standing around in the room, close my eyes, go back to sleep, wake up, go back to sleep. And I just thought I was in this weird nightmare and I was just dreaming, but it felt real. But I was like, no, there's no way this is real. So just complete shock. And, you know, it really took like months and maybe even years after that. I, some, I most like still a lot of the time felt like I was, in a dream still yeah it just yeah. didn't feel real yeah so and, h- and how much could your brain even process that traumatic of a loss and now you were you were in the hospital yourself so w- what were your injuries i had a separated collarbone and i had some internal um bruising in my brain so they they had put me in a medical induced coma um, just to make sure that everything was okay in my brain um, to like monitor the healing, but uh, no permanent injuries. Um, I had to wear like a shoulder brace for a few months after. Um, and then I, I just was left with some scars on my head. Wow. And now you mentioned because you have an older brother, Abel, he survived as well, correct? Yes, he did. He was eight years older than me. So he was 16. Um, and he, I believe he just had like a broken leg or something. I'm not exactly sure, but some type of minor injury. Um, and from that point on, we, we left the hospital and we, um, were taken in by our aunt and uncle and their two daughters, my cousins. Um, they became our legal guardians from that point on. And so they raised us um, as their own from, from that point on. Yeah. Wow. Your life just changed forever. Um, and we can only just imagine that, that the trauma of that, um, in addition to the tragic losses, um, 
you had to, because you went with your aunt and uncle, so there was a kinship type placement, um, but you had to leave your childhood home where you grew up with your parents and your siblings, um, move mm-hmm. to a different state. Um, you went from being only ever homeschooled to going to school um, and just navigating life with such a tra- tragic loss. Um, nothing was ever the same again. And and it makes me think of the ch- many of the children that our listeners are also raising, right? We've, mm. we've, you know, many of us are parents of children who've experienced loss and who've experienced some kind of childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. So as a child, what was that part of the experience like? How did you feel? How did that tragic loss impact you as a child and then as you grew into being a teen and then as a young adult? Can you unpack some of that for us? Mm, yeah. Yeah. So at that time, you're right. I had everything was completely different in my life. There were so many changes all happening at once. Um, Moved new state, new home, started school, new church, new friends. Um, Just, I really, I remember feeling like I had to find out what my identity was all over again. Um like my security and who I was, you know, before I was a daughter and a sister and um, all these things. Like I, I knew what I liked, things I enjoyed, um, what made me happy, what made like life just made sense. And I wasn't, I had to, hadn't had anything yet, like completely shake it. And so after that, everything you question, every, you, you don't know who you are anymore. I remember just feeling like um, I couldn't, uh, one of the big things was I couldn't, it was hard for me to make a decision. Like, wh- where do you want to go eat tonight? And I was like, uh, I don't know, whatever, whatever you want, whatever y'all want. You know, I just couldn't, I didn't even know what I liked. <laughs> That's just one small example, but just um, I had to figure out what my purpose was, what my place was, who I was all over again. And so I think that's a big, like, it kind of puts you in a state of shock as a child because you don't don't even know who you are anymore. And you're having to relearn everything about yourself as you adjust to all new surroundings. You just feel disoriented. And, um, and so for me, um, I was already a pretty quiet, and like shy introverted child and so that just my personality you know didn't change I just kind of stayed like quiet and um just kind of observed things who people around me and things happening around me and um just just kind of kept myself in this like shell or in my state of shock, just trying to make it through the days, Um, you know, just kind of wake up, go through the motions, go to school, try to just do, do all the things um, that a normal kid does in their day. And so, um, yeah, I just kind of remember on the outside doing really fine, like doing really well, doing well in school. I started playing sports. I made friends. I got involved in my church youth group, but um, I was living like a normal childhood life at that time from the outside, but I was still just walking in complete state of shock every day. Like it wasn't really real to me, mm. if that makes any sense. Um So those early days were like that. Um, And in that, I, I did a really good job of concealing my hurt. And so um, I didn't really talk about it much at all. I just, um, in order to survive in my mind, I just had to keep going and um, stay strong. And so even as a kid, um, I kind of, you know, put up that guard and I was really hurting, but then also like every day wasn't 
horrible as a kid like you're if you're taken care of and if you're you know um well loved then you you do have really great days and i found myself laughing and enjoying life and making good friends and so it was kind of this like i had great support and community around me and i was doing well but then also i was still um really stuffing down my emotions because the hard emotions because i didn't know what to do with them. Mm. So all through middle school and high school um, was like that and didn't really talk about it much at all. Um, And then in college was when I first kind of started my, my healing journey where I was like, there's a lot here. I've been through a lot (laughs) and it's time to face it. Like it's time to talk about those things and um, go back there to that place and um, unpack and try to process the grief that I experienced. Yeah. I can only imagine it was just such a painful place to go. So as a, as a child and as even a teenager, it was sort of like not going there. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. So I've read your book, um, which I'm so proud of you for for writing. I cried through much of it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the title again is What Now? Finding Renewed Life in Christ After Loss. And I know you've been on a journey of healing ever since. Um, grief and loss is not a one and done thing. As you know, it's a process, a, a lifelong process, really. So in the book you share about your healing process, counseling, medication, your faith. So I know you mentioned in colleges when you started really going there. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, um, I I went to counseling again for the first time since I was um, eight years old. Um, in college, because I really I knew there was stuff that I needed to talk about and um, process, but um, I didn't really know how. And so I didn't know how to grieve, really. And so I was like, I need to talk to somebody. So um, I went to counseling and just through that and um through so many other tools that God gave me at that time. Um, it's really been my healing pro- uh, journey has started. It's probably been in the past like 10 years and I know it will be the rest of my life as well. Right. Cause we're always, we're always on that journey. Um, but yeah, I guess the last 10 years I got married. Um, I have a family now. I, I'm a part of an amazing church community um, that really pulled some of that out. Um, I had, you know, different people tell me at that church, like you, you need to use your story. You need to start sharing it. And, you know, they just encouraged me like you have, you could help a lot of people by sharing and talking about it and just hearing kind of those things for the first time. It's like, wow. Um, I kind of thought for the first time, maybe I, maybe I can help others with my story. And so just those light bulbs went off, um, through church community, just through really learning about self-care. I really didn't know how to take care of my emotional health at all before. Um, so I had to like learn how to talk about hard things, um, how to just like have a clear mind and a healthy, like strong mind, um, to be able to process. And so just doing things like making sure I do things that I enjoy and, uh, exercising, you know, taking care of my body and, um, meeting up with mentors from time to time, still counseling is a part of my life, um, regularly, which I just love. Um, so just all these, all these things, you know, that you're hearing came together. Um, and I just really learned to utilize those tools and see them as good things that 
God has provided for me to help me um, rather than things that were selfish or things that, you know, um, people don't really want to hear like me talk about my story or, you know, like those lies that I was believing before that nobody wants to hear this, Um, doing those things, taking care of yourself is selfish. Those I had to just um, get rid of those lies and stop believing those lies and um, focus on becoming a healthy individual so that I can help others. And um, God has just led me down that path. And he really has just taken me. He's just carried me um, this whole way. Like when I was a child and I was still stuffing it and not processing it, not talking about he was looking back. I can just see how he was carrying me then. So just kindly and compassionately. And he's been carrying me also as an adult now too, in in my um, journey of being open and sharing it. Yeah, I know I want to get to your faith in a second. But I just I just remembered something I had read in your book. And this is one of the parts that that really touched me and where my tears flowed. And that is when you were in college, and you, you went back to your you found and went back to your childhood home. And I don't want to tell, I don't, I don't want you to unpack the whole story because it's, it's so worth reading it. But in that healing process, I'm sure this was one of those things that you needed to do to have some kind of closure even, but you, you went back and visited your childhood home. So was that therapeutic? It was very, yeah. For all those years, I had just wondered I just had kept thinking about it so many times, you know, you just visualize those years that I lived there and um, our yard and our kitchen. And um, cause I never went back, you know, from when we were packing up the car to leave for the beach. And then all of a sudden my home was gone. Um, and so it was a bit of closure that I think I needed um, just to, see it one more time and allow myself to remember all those memories that I had um, there and just to kind of see it again and say goodbye really. And then, um, you know, know that there was a new family living there and um, they loved it there and they were taking good care of it. And so I could leave it and say bye and move, uh, move on. Yeah, I think that was important for closure. I would, I would think because, like you said, you you packed up, went to the beach, but then never went back. Yeah. Um, yeah. So how 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 hard? Like I can only imagine how hard that is. Um, and so many of the children that our listeners are raising, same thing. Sometimes they're removed from their homes, and mm, and yeah. you know, maybe some do go back, but then and, and so many don't. Um, and and not having that closure, very very difficult. Um, yes. You mentioned you you grew up in a Christian home, but then you suffered this this horrific loss. Um, yet you you speak about your faith openly. I know in your book you talk about the importance of prayer, um, the Word of God. So how has your faith played a role in your healing? Mm-hmm. Yes, great question. So. I, because of the example of my parents, I said a prayer to invite God into my heart at age six. Um, My sister had just received him and my dad um, had prayed with her and he looked at me and he said, this is what your sister, the decision that she just made, would you like to make this decision too? And um, I said, yes, of course. And so um, then they, they did a really good job of um, not just having me say a prayer and then that's it. They like bought me a Bible and taught me how to read the Bible and where to go in my house when I read and um, just what, what it meant, like what it looked like to feel conviction and to apologize when you feel like you've done something wrong. And so just those basic like um, childhood lessons of what it means to follow Jesus. And so I remember um, 
that day very vividly. And then for those next two years, um, really had the opportunity to um, learn how to read and how to spend time with God daily and um, just really, really grew um, in my faith as a young child. So then when the accident happened, um, I don't even, I can't even describe how I kept doing it or why, but because I already was in the habit of reading my Bible every single day and talking to God and just sharing everything that was on my mind to him, miraculously, once we went to move in with our aunt and uncle and I still had my Bible, I just kept doing that every single morning. I kept doing that time with him. Um, and so I, it was just a really, really, really sweet way that he met me in as that broken child. And as that grieving little girl, he, we would just talk together, just the two of us, um, in the morning. And, um, I would tell him everything that I was feeling and thinking. And, um, I just, I still trusted him and I still loved him. And I, um, it was very, very just so sweet to know him during that and to feel his arms wrapped around me as a little girl during that. And so, oh gosh. And, um, well, did I'm, you ever, did you, sorry to interrupt, but did no. you ever, get mad at God or ask him like, why, why me? Why, why my family? Like what, what, what? Yes. So yeah, I did. Um, as a young girl and then especially through middle school and high school, I did like I, um, I got angry and I would cry at out to him and, um, just, scream and yell. And I would say, you know, this is not fair. Like, why did you do this? Why did you take my family away? Um, I would, I definitely had those moments. Um, and, but the thing that I learned Sandra is that, and looking back, you know, I'm able to see God was strong enough to hold my anger and to hold my tears and just to be there for me when I just went to him with everything that I was feeling and thinking and all my anger. Um, and during that, even my faith grew stronger because I was going to him with all that. I think where we can stray and where we, um, when we start to go away from God is when we stop asking him, we stop going to him with, with our anger, even the hard things. We stop asking him questions. We stop going to him in anger or in doubt or in confusion. Um, and so, you know, our faith is messy sometimes. Like he, mm -hmm. he wants to be there for all of it. And so even though I was angry and even though I was questioning, he met me in that and he was still, I was still, he was the one that I was going to. Um, and, and I'll tell you a little bit about, um, just the questioning uh, more. So my, it's called what now, because that's just kind of the question that God gave me. So for so long, I asked why, like that has just been my life question. Um, why do hard things happen? Why do bad things happen? And I've wrestled and wrestled and wrestled and wrestled with that question with God. And um, finally, over time in my healing journey, he gave me the question, what now? Because why keeps us stuck in just this pit, um, this like inward, inward directed, selfish uh why me? And it's, it's the focus is on us. Um, and we can just get stuck and we can stay there and there's no really growth in that. So when I started to ask what now, it really was this posture of turning the inward to the outward. And so I accepted what happened. Um, I like just really gave it to God and just came to this point where, um, 
it happened. There's no changing it. Um, I faced it. I accepted it. So what now? What do I do with the rest of my life? Like, what do you have for me now in this life and in my purpose and in this situation? And so um, that question really just led to a lot of healing. Hmm. I love that. I love that. Because you're, you're, you'll, the, the loss is always there and you, that never goes away. But in your journey to bring healing, um, I just love how you went from that why, because we all ask why, right? And, yeah. and, 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 and sometimes I know in, in, in um, situations in, in my own life when we've lost loved ones too, too soon, too young, um, I've off, I came to this came to this realization one time when struggling with that like why was like well but if God gave us the answer why would that even matter to us because we see from our little earthly perspective and he sees from the eternal perspective mm-hmm. and we're not going to understand the why even if we knew the why like it would never be good enough for right. us on this side of heaven right it so wouldn't help anything anyways yeah so i love your pivot from why to what now right because what now is what what you know what are you going to do with the rest of the life that you have that god gave you and mm-hmm. you know you have eternity with your family there'll be that wonderful right? Reuniting. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but but what are you going to do with it now? And I love what you are doing with it. And we'll get to that shortly. But <laughs> I know you mentioned and I didn't want to skip over. Um, you've mentioned I know you mentioned it in the book, and you mentioned it a little bit ago with about mentors, right? Mm-hmm. And how important mentors are in our life. Um, so how have mentors helped you along the way? Yes, Oh, I'm so thankful for the mentors in my life. They it's just been the biggest part of my healing. Um, I think one thing that a lot of people maybe expect or um, have these, um, yeah, just expectations is that they, a mentor is just going to walk up to them and be like this amazing person. And Hey, I want to mentor you. Let's like meet weekly. And um, you know, they're just going to have this grand like life change and this person is just going to walk into their life and mentor them. But the mentorship that I have found isn't somebody really asking me, I have to seek out those people. So in college was the first time that I really had a mentor. Um, I was a part of a church. So like the first step is I went to a Christian Bible teaching church. And um, then I was like, okay, I really wanted to start getting to know an older woman in my life who's maybe a few steps ahead of me that can I can talk to about stuff. And so then I had to find, ask, like, are there people that would be willing to meet with me, you know, in this church? And so um, the college ministry set me up with somebody. So I had to take the initiative to go to church, to ask out somebody and then um, to actually commit to meeting with them. And then when we are meeting, like not just sit there and be like, okay, just fix me, but like be open to sharing like your struggles and ask questions and um, dig into the things that you really need help with. So it's, it's hard work to be mentored. Um, you have to really seek it out. And um, the person that is going to meet with you is not perfect either. And so, you know, giving them, it's just a, it's a cool relationship because you're learning from them, but you're also um, giving them a lot of grace in ways that they might mess up as well. And so, um, yeah, it's been, so my first one was in college and then um, I've had a few other ones since joining the church that we're at now. Um, And a lot of them are couples that maybe mentor both my husband and I um, in parenting and marriage and things like that. So yeah, without those people just to talk with about everyday life uh, decisions and situations, um, I definitely wouldn't be what, where I am today or doing what I am today. Hmm. I love that. I love that. It makes, you know, I've, I've thought that myself oftentimes it's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm in a position where I probably could be a mentor to somebody else, but also 
I would love to seek out a mentor. So I love your advice to diligently pursue you know, because they're not going to just come to you and knock on your door and say, here I am, I want to mentor you. You have to pray, probably first would be a good place to start that the Lord leads you to the right person, but you have to go seek it out. So um, I love that you did that. And that that's been a tremendous part of your healing as well. So Caitlin, many of our listeners are adoptive and foster parents, kinship caregivers, like your aunt and uncle who took you and Abel in after the accident. Um, we're raising children who have experienced loss and, and other traumatic events. Their lives have been turned upside down. What mm-hmm. advice would you give us parents and caregivers who are caring for children who have gone through mm-hmm. these losses and trauma? What advice would you give us? Mm. There are a couple of things that come to mind. Um, the first would be if, you know, we all have stuff, we all have uh, emotional things that we need help with and past stuff that we need to address. So I think um, unless the best job, the best thing that you can do for your child who needs a lot of help and care and emotional support um, is to show them that you're doing the work yourself. So uh put yourself in counseling, put yourself, surround yourself with um, mentors and community and, um, you know, be in the word, be growing in your faith, be praying um, about things in your life. So be doing the work yourself um, because, you know, I can imagine just how exhausting it is as a parent in that situation. And, um, in order to do a really good job in order to have the energy to pour out to your kids, you have to be being filled up yourself too. So I think that goes a long way. Um, when our kids are seeing you not just, uh, go, 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 go and spin your wheels and burn yourself out, but really, um, resting well and taking care of yourself. And, um, that creates, you know, that safe environment for them. So that's one thing that comes to mind. And the other is um, children don't know how to talk about their feelings or um, really understand what their emotions are. And so um, digging into that with them, even though if they may look or be appearing fine or be acting fine or, you know, um, seem to be adjusting well, like kids can conceal things really well. So, um, giving them that space and that attention and time to really ask them, be open with, um, how you're feeling. And also that gives them the opportunity to really ask them, like, how are you doing? Like really? And, um, allowing them to open up and to share like their grief or their hurt or real, real things that they may be feeling inside. Um, and yeah, so I would just say those two things and, um, you know, not forcing it, but just allowing them the environment and the opportunities to share and to cry, you know, um, showing your tears in front of them is okay. I think a lot of people might think, oh, I don't want to make them sad or I don't want them to see me cry because um, they'll think I'm like crazy and weak or something. But, you know, showing them emotion is such a good example of the showing them that it's okay for them to be sad too. And so, yeah, I would just say those two things. Um, I'd have to imagine that like in your case, your aunt and uncle, they had also experienced significant loss because they were they they lost brother and sister-in-law or vice versa they lost nieces and nephews there was they they were coping with this traumatic loss within the family as well um so you know were were were, were so they were dealing with their loss you had your loss were you guys able to, and this is nothing negative about your aunt and uncle at all, but were you able to, it's got to be hard, right? Because everybody's grieving. You might not even realize how to minister to the other person. 
Um, were you able to have counseling as a child? Like what, what, you know, what did, what did they do that was helpful? Yeah. Um, you're right. It, everybody was just trying to make it through the best they could yeah. because they were grieving. You know, my uncle, it was my, um, my uncle was my mom's brother. So he lost his sister and, um, you know, my aunt lost this whole family, you know, the in-laws and, um, nieces and nephews and, um, their, their whole life was changed as well. Taking in two more, uh, children who they were almost in, nesters and then they have an eight-year-old in the home so just completely uprooted their life too and so I think everybody was just was grieving and was hurting and just trying to do the best they can and make it through and so um you know we didn't have what I we didn't talk about how we were feeling as much as I probably would have wished at that time um, to be able to cry with each other and, you know, really um, get angry with each other or even, even the feel the bad emotions and the negative emotions and for, um, for that to be open and um, just shared. So, but looking back, as an adult now through the healing I've been through, I'm able to understand why, you know, yeah. like that is everybody was just trying to make it through. Yeah. And, um, you know, my aunt has shared with me, um, previously that she would go in the closet to cry. Um, cause she, she was grieving and she just didn't want, she thought if I saw her crying, I would be upset. It would upset me. Um, mm. and so she didn't want to hurt me and make me sad. And so she would hide it. And, um, you know, I have so much just understanding and compassion for that now because, yeah, you know, I really have no idea how I would, how I would react if that same situation right. happened to me now. And so, um, and yeah, I did go to counseling at that time, but it was very short, about six weeks. Um, it was a play therapist and she, just, I think kind of wanted to like assess how I was doing socially. And so she would just watch me play and, and I love play therapy. Like that's a huge way for kids to show their emotion. But, um, I just needed so much more than that. Um, I needed long-term, you know, in-depth, like permanent weekly counseling, I think looking back, um, and just re really be able to learn how to grieve and how to share my emotion. Cause I didn't, I wasn't able to learn that at that time. Um, so yeah, I went for about six weeks and she said, I think she's going to be okay. Um, <laughs> and you know, sent me on my way. And so, and then I, I think I remember going to another, like another class that was like a group counseling with a lot of other kids who had experienced loss too. And I went one time and I was like, yeah, that wasn't for me. I did not like that. <laughs> so, you know, there were some different things. Um, but I think now there's so many more resources out there. So yeah. I think just figuring out what resources are around you and what just educating yourself and what all the things that um, would be helpful for your child. Yeah, so, so, so important. And I know back then for, for you and your family, your aunt and uncle, uncharted territory, right? Like there's Absolutely. not a playbook for this. Yeah. I mean, we have, we have the word of God, thankfully. But, you know, and back then, like you said, there wasn't as much as there is now in the way of resources and counseling and therapies and things. And, um, right. and they were grieving immensely as well. Um, so hard to, to know how to navigate all of that. But um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But grateful that you've been able to make the progress that you've that you have and, and all that you're doing. And I love um, the last chapter of your book is titled Surrendering My Pain, His Purpose. Love that. Tell us about that. <laughs> yeah, so that chapter is just all about kind of um, looking forward at the rest of my life. Um, and just kind of this idea of this is what I went through. And yes, it was really, 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 really hard. And um, I kind of came to this point where I was like, 
how am I going to live the rest of my life without addressing it and just staying um, numb or quiet? You know, I felt so just a, a shell of a person, I guess, if I were to live the rest of my life, just not facing it and ignoring it. So I, in the healing that I've done, it's been really hard to go back to those places and to be vulnerable about the hard emotions and to be willing to write it and willing to talk about it. You know, this, it's been really hard to the, to be op- that open and transparent, um, with everything, but God has just really given me so much freedom in talking about it, in addressing it and like doing the hard work so that I can live a life and a future with so much freedom and hope and joy. And, um, he's just transformed my life. And so that's what I want to share with others. Like no matter what, what circumstances or what hard thing people are going through, there is so much hope and freedom to be found in a life lived with the Lord. And so um, he has just given me a life now where I don't, I'm not just trying to make it through, but I'm really living an abundant and full life. And that's the only way I want to live, right? Like that's what we, you, the only, the only way to live. Um, and so in looking at the rest of my life and just, I've just been, he's just taught me that to surrender everything to him, every pain, every hurt, everything that happens, um, for his glory and for his, um, his purpose for me in my life. And so, um, with that perspective and that view, you know, it's just, um, it's exciting to, to live in that freedom in him and just to, um, continually, not just what I've been through in the past, but continually, you know, I'll I'll go through hard things again in the future. And so just continually be, um, giving every, every hard thing over to him and, um, asking him what he wants to make of that and, um, living in that new direction with him. Mm -hmm. Love that. Love that. And, and I know like even within your, your church, you, you are part of, or you lead a grief um, a grief ministry for, for children. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, I, I help out with a grief ministry for kids. So, uh, we have grief share as well, which a lot of people are familiar of. That's a grief program for adults. That's across many churches in the U S. Um, and, I went through that program myself as an adult and um, it was transformational for me um, to be able to share with others in that setting um, and process. But then they also have a program called shift, which is for kids going through loss. And that has just been an amazing ministry um, for me to just really walk through um, those few weeks that we have together with these children who are navigating um, life with loss. And many of them are adoptee kids um, who are trying to figure out just the new change in their life. Um, And so we go through a workbook together and it's just all about grief and loss through a biblical lens in a way that children can understand. So I love that ministry. And um, it's just been a really cool way that I can share with them my story and um, hopefully impact those kids and be able to speak with their parents as well. Yeah, just one of the ways the Lord is using you and your story to give back and to to minister to others um, in that kind of answer to the question like what now right because that's that's what that's what you're doing now also i know i wanted to ask you you and your husband jordan have become foster parents will you tell us a little bit about that yeah so obviously that has been just something that i've i've wanted to do um for a long time just give be able to get to know and um, give a home to kids who may not have the option to go live with their aunt and uncle like I did. Um, 
after after something um, traumatic that they've been through. So we became respite foster um, licensed foster parents through a ministry locally here called Miracle Hill. And um, we have taken a few placements. Um, so respite. I'm sure many of the listeners know, but if you don't, it's a uh, giving the long-term foster families a break um, when they can, they just need uh, rest or bereavement for a period of time. Um, so their, their kids go to stay with respite parents. So we take kids from like, you know, three or four days at a time, just usually a weekend to give the parents a break. And it's been really sweet just to get to know those children and um, their foster parents as well. So yeah, that's something new that we've, we've started and hopefully um, we'll continue to do that. Wow. Well, I love that. And thank you for doing that because I know foster parents um, definitely need respite, right? And for and, and there's not a whole lot of respite providers out there. So that's wonderful. And we thank you for, for stepping into that space um, for sure. So Caitlin, again, I'm so proud of you for writing your book and sharing your story and ministering to others who are also on a journey of healing from 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 significant loss and trauma. Again, the title of the book is What Now? Finding Renewed Life in Christ After Loss. Where can our listeners grab a copy of your book? Yeah, it is available on Amazon, online, um, Barnes & Noble, anywhere that you buy books online. And my blog is a beautiful belonging.com. Um, it's also, you can find a link for it there. And I do blogs periodically from time to time. If you want to hear more about what God's teaching me, um, you can sign up um, for my email list there. Wonderful. So a beautiful belonging.com is yes. your website, your blog. Um, we'll put link in the show notes, of course, um, so that listeners can find you super easy that way. Um, again, Caitlin, thank you so much for doing that hard work of healing, for finding your purpose in the pain, and for sharing your story with us today. Thank you so much, Sandra. Thank you for having me on. And just thank you for your book and your ministry and for all the ways that you're allowing God to use you and your story as well. Well, thank you. Thanks so much. Oh, wow. Thank you for listening to the adoption and foster care journey today. I hope we helped you feel a little more encouraged and equipped for your parenting journey. I know Caitlin's story is, um, you know, heartbreaking on one hand, but so healing because it shows us that healing is possible. Um, our children who come to us um, with such loss and trauma can reach steps of healing, um, levels of healing, but also she talked about the importance of us as caregivers to make sure that we're dealing with our stuff and that we're getting, um, you know, we're being healed and that um, we're taking care of ourselves so that we can pour out. Kind of reminds me of what I believe Dr. Karen Purvis once said is, you know, we can't bring children our children to levels of healing that we ourselves have not been to. Um, ourselves, right? I, it's not like she said it much better than I just did, but that's the gist of what she said. And it's true. We do have to take care of ourselves. And we often, like, like Caitlin's aunt and uncle, we too have experienced loss and some trauma. And, you know, whether it's loss of a loved one or loss of what, you know, we think imagine parenting to be or imagining what our family was going to be like and then it's not looking exactly like what we had imagined so there's a loss of that and there's grief and i know myself as a, as as a parent um i've been you know parenting for over 30 years and um my husband and i are in the roughest or the most difficult stage of parenting and we've been doing it for so many years um and when you're caring for children who have um disabilities or special needs, um, you know, there's another level of, of, of loss and, and, and grief that comes in. So we do have to take care of ourselves. Um, so she just had such, such wonderful advice, but also such hope because she endured this significant, just unimaginable loss really of, of, of six of her family members. And then 
at such a young age herself, having to figure out the rest of her life, um, which was just so traumatically different. Um, but yet the Lord was with her every step of the way, and she acknowledges that as an adult and can minister to others in their loss and grief. So what a wonderful story. I hope you will grab a copy of her book. Um, I highly, highly recommend it. Um, again, I have it right here. It is What Now? Finding Renewed Life in Christ After Loss by Caitlin Odom Fiedler. I hope you'll grab a copy, check out the show notes for a link. Um, and again, if you would like to learn more about what I often talk about on the show, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, um, how to apply the neurobehavioral model, how to accommodate your kiddos for success, um, take, a, take advantage of the trainings that we offer coming up. Um, you can go to justicefororphansny.org, um, click events, and you can find upcoming trainings. There's some virtual uh, trainings coming up. May 11th is an intro to FASD. Um, May 24th is a three-hour deep dive. And then starting June 1st, we have all in 18 hours of content um, that you can sign up for. We offer certificates of completion. If you're a New York State uh, licensed social worker, we have CEUs that we can offer. Um, so go to our website, check out all of those things that we offer. Um, and if you're wanting to, to book something special or have me come in person or do an online training, um, you can reach out also. So website, justicefororphansny.org. Um, you can email me directly if you have some questions. If you want to know, hey, will you come to my state and do this? Or would you, you know, can can we do an online one-on-one, um, -on -one, some, some coaching that way? Um, you can email me directly, Sandra Flack at justicefororphansny.org. And remember that support group, folks. Hope for the FASD Journey virtual support group that Natalie Vecchione and I lead together. Um, you know, we're here to walk with you on your parenting journey. Natalie and I are both still on this parenting journey. Um, so that's a great way to be able to not feel so isolated and alone because we are um, our whole group. We are, we are fellow parents on this journey who get it and who are living it. Um, again, check out the website to be able to find out more about the support group. Um, if you enjoyed the show, again, if you're not yet a subscriber, please subscribe, leave a review, share it with your fellow adoptive and fostering friends so that they can be encouraged and equipped too. And hey, follow us on social media. You can find Justice for Orphans on both Facebook and Instagram, as well as myself, Sandra Flack. Um, check us out there. would love to connect with you. And I am so grateful that you spent your valuable time with me today. I am thrilled to have you along for the journey. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey podcast, brought to you by Justice for Orphans. We hope you were encouraged today. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review and share it with your fellow foster and adoptive parent friends so they can be encouraged too. Be sure to find and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Justice for Orphans. And check out our website for vital resources at justicefororphansny.org.